Okay, yalla, yalla, yalla. <laughs> let's, let's get it going. I like that though. That's that's another level, man. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa man wala assalamu alaikum. So, do we have any new students here now? Like incoming freshmen? MashaAllah, welcome. What's your name? Miko. Nico, nice to have you. Welcome, alhamdulillah. Anyone else? Yes. Would you like to share your name and stuff? Sana, it's awesome to have you, man. Welcome. Noor. MashaAllah, alhamdulillah. Anyone else that's new on the brother's side? Daniel, I think we have a first time halaqa with you, right? Would you like to? Samira is here, alhamdulillah. Amira. Amira, alhamdulillah, with uh, Daniel, his beautiful daughter, mashallah. May Allah protect her, bless her, inshallah. So we're definitely like a kids-friendly zone, alhamdulillah. So feel free, if you have kids, to bring your kids, inshallah. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Alex, man, it's awesome to have you, man. Alex, alhamdulillah. Uh, anyone else, first-timers? <laughs> yes, you want to share your name, brother? Uh, my name's Harun. Um, I'm going to be a graduate student here. Oh, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> like permanent financial ruin. <laughs> alhamdulillah, but it's worth it, you know? It's worth it. Harun, it's great to have you, man. Thanks, thanks for coming through. Anyone else that we may have missed? Yes, sir. Amir. Amir. Alhamdulillah. I'm just from the Amit Observer Oh, okay. Alhamdulillah. From Turkey. MashaAllah. Tashakur. Tashakur. Thank you for coming. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Anyone else before we continue, like, quickly? <laughs> no, man. Khalas. <laughs> so, Alhamdulillah, we're, we're going through Surah Yaseen. Alhamdulillah. And for those of you that are here for the first time, uh, we welcome you, inshallah, for those first students. We're going to be going, inshallah, later on in the night for cupcakes, inshallah. Uh, I'm sure with me that's going to be a lot of fun. Super exciting. You know, hanging out with a 46-year-old. Oh, man. That's the life. Right? Yes, indeed. MashaAllah. I'm sure that was at the top of Iftikhar's accomplishments. <laughs> And maybe after that, we'll go do something like really radical and watch like Christopher Robbins. <laughs> something really, really pressing to envelope, insha'Allah. That's about as wild as I can get. But alhamdulillah, honestly, it's great to have new faces here. And we hope that you will be welcome to our community. Alhamdulillah, we are a deliberate community, which means that we like purposely try to get in your face and like love you into submission, alhamdulillah, in a great way, except iftikhar, that's a whole different story. But we were talking, alhamdulillah, about um, this 13th verse of Shulti Yaseen, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَضْرِبَ لَهُمْ مَثَلًا أَصْحَابَ الْقَرْيَةِ إِجَاءَهَا الْمُرْسَلُونَ And we said that this verse, subhanAllah, touches on a lot of issues. Number one with the, the style, the method of, of communicating. So idrib, right? Many of you probably think idrib means to hit, but that's actually majazan. The real meaning of idrib, darb, actually means to do something that wakes someone, that shakes them, that makes them think. So set forth for them in a way that touches them, something that's going to benefit from them, mathalan. 
And we talked about before the idea of mathal means something that people can find commonality in. A few weeks ago we talked about it. And we also mentioned that Imam al-Razi said that this verse is meant for the Prophet ﷺ to say, set forth them for, for them an example of yourself. That you've been sent to them just as these other messengers were sent to another city. So we take from that the idea of humility. A lot of people learn religion or become religious to feel good about themselves. That's nonsense. No doubt there should be like a sense of self-accomplishment, alhamdulillah, you know, a sense of gratitude. One time Sayyidina Omar, someone found him walking behind a wall and he was like, good job, good job, you feared Allah. That's different than like losing balance and becoming completely self-inebriated. Religion is about service, like caring about people and being disciplined and principled. So it says, وَدْرِبَ لَهُمْ مَثَلًا أَصْحَابَ الْقَرْيَةِ إِذْ جَاءَهَا الْمُرْسَلُونَ Set forth for them, for their benefit, this parable of when this town, there was sent to them some messengers. The ulama, there's two opinions on who these messengers were. Number one is that they were actual messengers, like not prophets, but people sent, dispatched by Sayyidina Isa. So his students, to Antioch. And this is the statement of Sayyidina Ibn Abbas. Mentioned by Al-Tabari. The other opinion is that they're like actually messengers of God. And they were sent to the city. If we say that they were dispatched by Sayyidina Isa, what does it tell us about the strategic vision of Sayyidina Isa as far as his job? What did he have in mind? that many of our Muslim institutions here and abroad can learn from. Succession planning, passing the baton, giving people the opportunity to lead, using your position of power to step out of the way so that other people can step in. In community organizing, we have a principle step up, step back. You've got to know when to pull back, even if people may make mistakes, because what they learn is better probably than what they can learn from you telling them how to do it. So if, if we take the opinion that they were sent to Antioch by Sayyidina Isa, which is the opinion of Sayyidina Ibn Abbas, and some of the other Sahaba like Qatada, some of the early Muslims, then we learn something about the need for like proper succession planning, Passing the baton. Madiha, right? Madiha? I'm saying your name right? I always get your name wrong. Madiha, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> what is Correct me. Maimuna. Maimuna. So it happens you get older, man. So, so Maimuna, I'm really happy to say I was told the one week that our guest speaker didn't show up, like you led the halaqa. Okay. It doesn't matter. But let's, there's no need to see how we apologize for stuff. Why would you apologize for greatness? You know what I mean? Like, alhamdulillah. Point is, so when I heard that, um, you know, you stepped up and, and forgive me on the name issue, it happens as you get older and you don't have your ru'afsa. Um, but the fact that you led. So I was like actually happier. Janette told me, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, she snitched. But, but, but she snitched in a good way. And that made me like super happy that you guys just carried on. 
Like that made me more happy. So I was like, you know, sometimes I'm just not going to show up. You know what I mean? So <laughs> this would be awesome, right? No, but that's a good thing because we need to understand that like people can handle things and people can take us places, younger generations. So here we see Alhamdulillah and women. Sayyidina Isa dispatches two people. That's the strong opinion out there. And that the people that he sent them fell under, if you will, his district of prophethood. Because Sayyidina Isa wasn't sent to Al-Alameen. He was sent to people like a certain group of people. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that they rejected those messengers. They rejected them. Hey, welcome back. When did you make it back? Yeah, you, alhamdulillah. <laughs> Straight from the Bay Area, I know. Yeah. What's cracking? Uh, like two days ago. Alhamdulillah, it's good to see you, man. So that's another thing for those of you who have never been here before. Like, we're very homely. We need like a fireplace here or something, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> some marshmallows and stuff, too. <laughs> but it's good to see you, alhamdulillah. And, and he sends these two messengers, and they're, they're rejected. We also learned something here about the concept of fardu kifaya. Fardu kifaya means a community obligation. Islam is the only religion that has individual obligations and community obligations. Every one of you sitting right now in whatever career you've chosen, whether you're a professional, almost a professional, or you're in school, like what you've chosen to do is considered fardu kifaya. Meaning that if no one else did it, we'd be sinners. Medicine, the arts, you name it. That's all what's called fardu kifaya. And the idea is that the community has to organize around things. So Allah says, فَكَذَّبُوهُمَا They rejected those two messengers. فَعَزَّزْنَاهُ بِثَارِثٍ There's two qira. فَعَزَّزْنَاهُ فَعَزَّزْنَاهُ Same thing. We strengthened them. We gave them a third member to strengthen them. A third messenger. The idea is if two can't do it, and this is the real meaning of fardu kifaya. Sometimes, as one of my teachers told me, we're reading Sahih Bukhari to him. Some people think that you know, fardu kifaya means we all just do it, whether it's good or bad. No, no, we do it until it's done right, till it's done right. So two messengers rejected. So what happens? Oh man, two messengers ain't working. Khalas, I'm done. No, a third messenger. And we also know that this third messenger is rejected. So what happens? That this person comes from all the way deep and deep out there on the outskirts of the city and comes running. So the total number of people is how many? Four. That's the real meaning of fardu kifaya. Not about quantity, about quality. So until it's done right, we have to keep doing whatever needs to be done. And there's a very important axiom. We're going to talk about this in the future. Whatever helps us complete a wajib, becomes wajib. Which means whatever helps us accomplish an obligation becomes an obligation. If it wasn't an obligation before. Yes? It's okay. What's your name? Dunya. Dunya. Good question, yeah, Dunya. So dunya is saying how many different types of fard there are. It depends on the situation. So if it, as far as the person goes, there's individual and group. Fard aini, fard kifaya. So salah, ain, what does ain mean? Ain doesn't mean ainda. 
Like Ain means I. So it's like I remember I was like Fard Ain. Like, Ain here means nafs. Fard nafsi. But Ain also means to, to specify. So I've now been specified to perform that act. Fard kifaya is what we're talking about here. So community organizing, working on justice issues, standing up for the truth, any type of skill that you have. Here's a question. Do you think the majority of the obligations are individual or communal in Islam? Really? You sure? Why y'all doubting yourself? Because I'm going like this. <laughs> My teacher used to do that to me. He was like, the one that's like this with a dot on it, is that kha or ha? I was like, that's kha. He's like, no, it's not, it's ha. I was like, yeah, that's ha. He's like, don't do that. <laughs> needs to tell me, you know, there's respecting people, but there's being in a cult. There's a difference between those two. So now, you guys are right. The majority are fought the kifaya. Why? Why do you think the majority of the obligations are communal? Yes, sir. We're a communal faith, right? That's good. What else? Yes. Yes, sir. The majority in like, yeah. Prayer, uh, fasting, and salah, psalm, hajj, all of them are individual. It's for dying. I have to do all of them. Mm. Each person has to, to do with them. But the majority of the fara'it are kifa'iyya. The majority. So if you take a book of fiqh, first half of the first volume is ibadat, fasting, prayer, siyam, hajj, zakah. The rest of the book involves things which are fard kifaya. Another question, you can perform a fard act, but always, usually there will be some kind of fard kifaya associated with it, like adhan. Yes, you had a question. I was going to say, there's so many different things people need to be involved in by virtue of whatever professions or backgrounds they have. Each of, if each and every one of those is part of the Fardu Kifaya, it would seem like a limitless, right? That mm. would potentially be a communal obligation. Exactly. So that means that we'll constantly be addressing new issues. So the Ummah is Mustamira Mahfuza. So he's saying, like, if you, based on that kind of theory, then these communal needs are always going to be evolving, always changing, always something new. So the community will constantly have to regenerate and recalibrate its meaning of religion into different spaces. SubhanAllah. <clears throat> yes, sir. Uh, what constitutes threshold from God to send his azab to some people or after he sends his messengers in this case or two messengers? And in the Sayyidina Noah's case, he has been preached for 950 years to a degree that he was almost disproportionate. Mm. 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 So the question to ask is, what's the threshold that would um, condition the punishment of God? I have no idea. But again, these are not MBA. 
the people that we're talking about now, the strong opinions, they're just normal people. They're students, hawariyun, of Sayyidina Isa. I have no idea. Allahu A'lam. Allahu A'lam. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions uh, very, very profoundly that this man, he came from outside of the city. من أقصى المدينة رجل يسعى Racing. That tells us one thing, that those prophets were effective in getting their message out because it reached where? Or those men, those messengers, those teachers, whoever they were. Their message was successful, those hawariyun, their message was successful, those students of Jesus, because their message reached where? Permeated even the outskirts of the city. But this person, we talked about how sometimes our own um, lack of self-worth religiously undermines our ability to contribute to the community. Or maybe sometimes the community contributes to the lack of self-worth we have. And that becomes something which we begin to evaluate ourselves by. But here we see someone who's not scared to volunteer. If you think about great stories in the Quran, how important is volunteerism? How important is it like to step up? Like, can you think of other stories in the Quran where people who may have not been like, you know what I'm saying, like the major players, volunteered and made a difference? Huh? Sultul Kaf. Who is the volunteer? Yeah, these three guys come together. They don't know each other. Yes, sir. Yes. Shaibna Nuh. Who else? Yes, sir. Musa is a major player. But the whole story is a good answer. He's surrounded by three people who, who actually four people. In fact, the whole story of Sayyidina Musa is about lobbying and support. So it's good, mashallah. His sister. She's like, I know, I know who can breastfeed him. I got you. By the way, when, when people say women can't speak in front of men, you could say, well, if that was the case, Musa would have never gone back to his mama because his sister wouldn't have spoken in front of Firaun. And then people say, but, you know, these Muslim men, they're gross and they're creepy and, <laughs> and they're all hypocrites and they don't have the iman. We ain't worse than Firaun. <laughs> like, you understand how this logic gets people caught up in a dangerous situation? We wouldn't have hadith of Sayyidah Aisha. Mm-hmm. Hood hood. Even a bird. Even a bird steps up to volunteer, man. And an Afrit Minajin. Who else? Yes. Um, I think speaking of Musa, would we count Khidr as someone who was stepping up and volunteering? Khidr is commanding, Wama fa'al tuhum in amri, but still he steps up to the plate. And becomes a teacher. What about the dog? Qurtubi said, you know, sometimes it's better to be friends with a dog than people. Who else? Musa's mom, his sister, Imrat of Fir'aun. The guy who is in the court of Fir'aun, who hides his faith. He's a lobby. This is the first example of lobbying, mashallah, for all the right reasons. 
This man was a major player, man. Shahidim and Shahidim and Ahliya, the servant. And Sayyidina Yusuf. The point I'm trying to make is, if you look at all the major stories in the Qur'an of the prophets, oftentimes a person steps up, or a jinn, or a bird, or a dog, or a man, or a boy, or any type of human, steps up and volunteers and makes a difference. So then we have to ask ourselves about strategic entry points into nonprofits in the Muslim community for people to volunteer and engage. And that itself, because we, there's a very important principle that says, whatever is fard kifaya has to be facilitated. So its facilitation becomes what? Fard kifaya. So here we see someone. So I never, especially for our students here at NYU, like never be scared to like check me, man. Like never be scared to like, you know, I don't agree with this. I don't care. Like I ain't that important. Like that's good. That means you're thinking. That means like you're engaged. You're, you're thinking critically about how things should happen. I might not agree with you. You ain't that important either. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we have this idea, like, you know, always, like, an argument, if someone doesn't agree with me, then, like, they're disposable. That's a really bad, bad attitude to have. It's like, I just don't agree with you. Imam Shafi'i, radiallahu anhu, one time he got into an argument with his student. His student became so frustrated, he ran from him. Said to Shafi'i, he ran after him. He said, hey, 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 don't forget, we're still brothers, man. Like, chill, dude. Relax. And we talked about the idea of being selfless. He doesn't say like, hey, I'm a volunteer, what's up? Follow me. Follow those messengers. Follow those teachers. The ability to deflect greatness. The ability not to make it about himself. It's really hard. So he purposely like, points people in the direction of al-mursaleen. Ittabi'u. Follow those who what? La yas'alukum ajra. Who don't ask anything from you. And they're muhtadun. They're people who ihtada means to try to burden myself to act on guidance. So they're not just guided, they work for it. So we learn something from that verse about the integrity of leadership and not commodifying everything. So they don't ask anything from you, they're selfless, so they've earned your respect. And they themselves practice or struggle to practice what they teach. Doesn't mean leadership is perfect. Doesn't mean everything. I talk to imams in this country, man, they tell me they're lonely. What do you mean you're lonely? I can't be myself around people, man. That's not good either. That, that, that's, not, that's not good either. There has to be a balance. Right? There has to be kind of, how do we define who leaders are? How do we define people that may, we, we may take benefit from? Well, whom muhtadu? But we're in the struggle together. And then he says some things which are very important. They don't seek any reward from you, and they're rightly guided. 
And what would happen to me, he says, if I were not to worship the one who created me? And fatar, wujud shay min al-adam, bila sabab, means to cause something to happen without any cause. So what, what would happen to me if I did not worship the one who brought me into existence? Wa ilayhi turja'un. And here we find something in Arabic interesting. He switches the tense. He's talking about himself, but then he says, and all of you going back to him, called iltifat. So he, he, he kind of blames himself in the beginning to lessen the blow. He doesn't just go at them. He says, look, if I were to do what you do, I'll be lost. And you are going back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're returning to Allah. Then he says, And do you take, besides him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, an object of worship? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, We talked about this before. He says, If the most merciful wanted to harm me, why would you mention the most merciful and harm? Man Rahman bil Why would it say Rahman If the most merciful wanted to harm me, why would he say that? Because within the harm there is good. Ah, maybe it's not really harm. That's subjective. Because for the believer, as the Prophet said, Prophet said, like, I'm amazed at the believer. Everything for them is good. They get a blessing, they're thankful. It's good for them. If they're tested, they're patient, they have resilience, and it's good for them. So as though subtly he's saying, You know, it may be perceived as a harm, but I, I root this potentially in Allah's rahmah. Yes, sir. Yes. Is it also the idea that Allah is not inclined to punish you? So if you have punishment, Yes, or it could also be from there how they look at it. That, you know, everything from like God is vengeful, God is evil, it's bad, God's out to get me. As if he's saying, everything from Allah has rahmah. How, how do we get to that state? It's not easy. It's hard, man. I'm not here to tell you I did it. But one of the things that helps is just to realize Allah knows and you don't know. If someone knows and I don't know, it's like the GPS, man. You get upset, you get frustrated, but ultimately, if, usually it works out. So Allah knows where I am in my life and knows what's khair for me, knows what's best for me, even though it hurts. And it, I, 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 from my vantage point, I don't see it that way. But I lose myself in the sea of His infinite knowledge. And I trust that knowledge. If that were to happen, if the, if the most merciful was allow, allowed me to, to experience any harm, your shafa'ah, the intercession of, of those people who took gods along with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or those aliha, or those gods that they took along with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will not help me shay'ah in any way, shape, or form. Those things that you worship, they couldn't help me. Meaning, why do you worship them? 
And they would not be able to rescue or save me in any way. So he's trying to teach them, man. He's trying to open up their minds. He's trying to reach them. If I were to do what you're asking me to do, if I were to take other gods along with Allah, the word fi means to be submerged. So I'd be like submerged in manifest misguidance. And I believe in your Lord, so listen to me. Before we get to the last point, there's one thing I want to talk about. And that is that, and we, because we explained the other verses before, that's why we jumped past them quickly. The idea of freedom of religion. If, if we look at these verses, verses before this, what did those people who opposed those messengers say they were going to do to them? They threatened to kill them. And what did they do to this guy? After Allah says, They killed this person. They killed him. So here we, we learn that violating someone's religious rights, uh, imposing something on somebody to the point that we harm them or kill them, is the quality of who? These bad people. And we have an important principle in the Qur'an. And what I'm about to say is a little important, inshallah. And that is that any quality of those people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially have non-Muslim parents or family members, this may be helpful. Those people that Allah has punished, any qualities that they have exhibited, which are bad, we understand by inference, what's called ima in usul al-fiqh, we understand that we should not have these qualities. Like we should not, we should not, engage in those qualities. So, how do you explain, for example, that in light of the lack of, say, religious freedom in the Muslim world? Well, how do you explain that? Sometimes the attitude towards other faiths that may be exhibited by irresponsible teachers, preachers. Hmm. Yes. Um, it seems like they're associating the qualities with the entire person. So they're, what they should be rejecting instead of the qualities, they're rejecting the entire being. Hmm. So, for example, maybe someone comes to you and says, Sayyidina Muhammad says, أَخْرِجُوا أَهْلَ كِتَابِ مِنْ جَزِيرَةِ الْعَرَبِيَّةِ هَذَا حَدِيثٌ صَحِيحٌ Prophet said that the people of the book should be expelled from the Arabian Peninsula. Prophet is reported to have said that. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab is reported to ban the building of churches in the Jazirat al Arabiya. How are you going to explain that in the light of what I just said? I mean, you can find Murtadin, Qatl Murtad, killing the apostate. How are you going to respond to that stuff? 
So, yes. Okay. Of course, um, I see that. It's a very good, good idea. Yes, sir. Contradictions of hadith, other texts. The context of the hadith. Siyaq al nas. Good. Yes, sir, Harun. Seditious acts. Right. So it's like treason, even in, in this context. I mean, American law, uh, treason is going to get you killed. Tariq lidini al mufariq lil jama'ah, the hadith says. Right, they left their religion and they engaged in sedition. Okay. That's good. Yes, sir. He mentioned that, right? So you can see other texts. Okay. Yes. My father-in-law. Yeah. Mashallah. Yeah, that's fine. You can build on it. Right. Excellent. Let me let me just offer another thought and we'll, we'll close it up, inshallah. These are all very profound, very wise, mashallah, very well thought out. And you didn't know I was going to ask this question, right? So, barakallahu uh, feekum. Sayyidina Abu Bakr, did he expel Christians and Jews from the Jazeera. No, no, but still, it doesn't matter. He still prayed. So if it was an order to pray, he prayed. It's an order to pay zakah, he paid zakah. And he didn't become busy till a few months later. 
So Sayyidina Abu Bakr, but good, good. Sayyidina Abu Bakr. Now go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Did Sayyidina, that's a good question, but then even we can build on it. Sayyidina Umar al-Khattab, he didn't expel them till six, seven years later after. He wasn't busy. So we understand something. There's three opinions about that order. And there's different type of orders of the Prophet That's called Amr Maslahi. Which means that an order can be left up to a political context, a political situation that allows you to bring those kind of definitions into it, the context where there's a problem. So, strong opinion here is that that order is not like the order to pray, the order to pay zakah, the order to fast the month of Ramadan. Because if that was the case, he would have done it. Sayyidina Umar, he would have done it. But it was an order based on what? Context, circumstance, political situation. Which means that that order can change. We have an axiom that says rulings run according to their causes. Second, issue of apostasy. As Brother Harun mentioned, that's the opinion of some later ulama. Sheikh Ahmad Raisuni from, from Morocco and one of our teachers, alhamdulillah, mentioned that in the time of Sayyidina Rasul there was a person who apostated. He wasn't killed. In the time of Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, radiallahu anhu, alayhi salam, all these hadith are sahih. People committed apostasy and they weren't killed. So as Harun said, there are some scholars who said, listen, your religion in those days was like your passport. And it had a political affiliation, had a political designation. And if it was used in that way, then the state may step in on those terms. But not because someone is of a different religion. And that's why the majority of the fuqaha, when they talk about the reason for fighting in Islam, except for the shafi'iyah, the reason for fighting in Islam is not to compel people to become Muslim, but is to repel injustice. This conversation went somewhere quick, mashallah. Yes, sir. Shafi'i opinion is that the illa of jihad is qatl kufar. Sayyidina Shafi'i, always, I'm not Shafi, so don't get angry. It's very tough, yani. <laughs> Any other questions about that or thoughts before? I didn't mean to cut you off, sorry. Huh? Before we uh, move on. Yes? I have a question about the word Daraban. I'm not going to correct you. It's fine. But did it mean hit, like colloquially, during the time of the prophecy? Depend on the context. They used it in the same context depending on when you used it. 
That's a good question. But we'll talk about that, inshallah. We get to we have a seminar coming in, coming up on these kind of things. But just to give you uh, the opinion of one of my teachers, who I respected a lot, mashallah, Sheikh Taha Jabr al-Awani, that the verse in Surah Nisa that allows someone to, you know, darab is mansukha, is abrogated. This is the opinion of some of the early Salaf. Because the Prophet said, Aisha said, Ma darab Sahih Muslim, the Prophet never hid anybody. Secondly, never. Never hit a woman or a slave. Killing is different than hitting. <laughs> That's one thing we need to appreciate about Islamic law. Islamic law, mudaqq jiddan jiddan. It focuses on terminology. It doesn't confuse terminology. So, the Prophet as Sayyidina Shafi'i mentions in Risala, his actions can make naskh of ayat al Quran. So, Sheikh Taha was of the opinion, as were some of the early Salaf, that that verse was abrogated. Secondly, there's an opinion that's very strong in Islamic law that this, 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 this order is not a, a, like an order like we said earlier, there's different type of orders. So, like, in Arabiya, this is not the order like pray. This is an order left to like guarding, we said earlier today the benefit and the harms. Musalih and mafasid. Then there's a third type of order which is ibaha. It's an order but it's like up to you. So when Allah says kulu, like if we said kulu is literal, it means oh, we're eating all the time. Kulu, I can't stop till I die. Right, but obviously, we'll talk about this when we have a class on the soul of fiqh inshallah in the future. Kulu means, yeah, it's okay for you to eat or not. There's a very important principle though that when an order which leads to a permissible act leads to harm, that act, that act can become haram. So if we see men or family members taking that verse to justify physical harm, then we should tell them that this act for you now is what? Haram. I'm of the opinion that it's abrogated, alhamdulillah. Any other questions or thoughts, inshallah? Yes, sir. Just going back to the word darabah, um, and correct me on this, is it okay to ponder the Quran in a specific manner? For example, if I was to compare adrib lahum mathala, right? Idrib, no. Can you compare it to like, this is a new hit, this is a new drop. There's not a problem with that. We talked about that earlier. Like, drop it. That's, that's, a, that's the way that you kind of want to be engaged in the Quran. And you might be wrong. So what? Like, Allah is kareem, man. You're not purposely, like, trying to deviate people from Islam. You're trying to have a relationship with Allah. Allah is a transcendent reality. In our attempts to try to have a meaningful human relationship with the sacred, as unsacred beings, we're bound to make mistakes. It's just reality. We need to let people know, like, you're going to screw up. <laughs> it's okay. Like, all mess up. Yes, sir. We have another example with Idrab, with Musa and Idrab Asa, the Hada Idrib, not Idrab. Idrib, fi'al amr. Idrib bi Asa al Hajar means to hit. Hit the rock. Like in, the word darb has three meanings. Number one is na' min al 
I said darbu min al-af'al, that kind of act. Darb bimana naw. Number two, darb means ittirab, to shake something. That's why we have in hadith what's called ittirab fi sanad. And the sanad is shaky. Too many people narrate it in too many different ways, so it's like it doesn't make sense. Ittirab or iftaala, but it takes ta. The third, lahda, I'm sorry, brother. The third, the third example is idrib means to hit. Fadribalahum mathalan, as we said before. Please go ahead. In, in previous halaqa, alhamdulillah, we talked about why that word is used though. You could have said mathalalahum mathala. Why we say wadribalahum? Because idrib means ittirab, shake them. وَقُلْ فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ قَوْلًا بَلِغًا Be effective. Right? Because what's the purpose of, of darb? Ta'deeb. Right? The purpose of that type of hit that the Arabs used to use for darb is not like boxing. The, the goal of that is like to bring someone to a sense of good etiquette. Mm. Good, good man. Alhamdulillah. Yes. Who's this person, though, that you're talking about? The imaginary person. What are they doing? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, maybe, like, in this situation... Like the abuser. So, yeah, he's the abuser. I mean, at the end of the day, he's like, responsible for hurting someone. Like, I feel like, what if, like, he or she internalized that message from someone else? I feel, though, all, like, I am a strong believer that, like, all behavior is taught. Whereas, like, so is it the teacher... So we could definitely say the teacher probably has got like more of a responsibility, but at the same time an abuser, if his wife is saying, stop knocking my teeth out of my face, and he's like, well I was taught, it's a little bit of a problem, right? So, Also I've seen men being abused by their wives, I've seen it, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mansplaining, I'm just saying I've seen it. Anyone that's harming someone ultimately is accountable for that harm, mm-hmm. inshallah. Unless they're forced, that's a different discussion. Secondly, the teacher, the imam, needs to help, be held accountable. So I had one time a lady come to me and say that my husband has been like really giving it to me. Uh, she did not look physically in a good situation. Her skull had been cracked. So she was in the hospital and she said, I went to an imam and the imam told me, be patient, inshallah. So I said, like the next time, just hit the imam in the face as hard as you can. <laughs> then when he says, like, what? Just say, no, be patient, man. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> so there has to be, at least locally, a system where imams are under a lot of pressure as it is, right? But there has to be, like, an ordainment process or some kind of review process, like a Yelp for imams, <laughs> right? Where, where, where it's done through their colleagues, where it's done through... 
Um, because Yelp also could be ugly, because say like a board member doesn't like that imam, they're just gonna like <laughs> put them on blast, right? Um, but there needs to be some kind of accountability and professional development that happens with imams. Yes. Barakallahu fikum. Man, these are awesome thoughts. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much to Shakur Dostam uh, for sharing. May Allah bless you, inshallah. And I appreciate, you know, the feedback and the engagement. It's very important, alhamdulillah. Zakallahu khairan wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad. And for all of our new folks. And the last point is that anything that's going to go against, like, the law, you probably just want to stay away from it. It's illegal, it's illegal in most cases, right? So abuse is pretty much illegal. So we should be staying away from it, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum.